Well, welcome to episode 165. Uh, not great. Um, we are we are tuning in the Sunday afternoon after the Saturday morning US time. Um, we had to give it a little while there, I think, Craig, didn't we? Um, yeah, I needed not- a day. <laughs> I, and I, I thought, oh, better content once we've slept on it. But um, yeah, everyone can be the judge of that. <laughs> yeah, we are welcoming back Craig today, uh, but it looks like we can't quite get the threesome together. Uh, Adam may well be waylaid uh, for now. He may hop on later on, uh, but for now it's just us two. Um, welcome back. You've missed two pods. Uh, yeah. One win, one loss. Um, and you come back to this one. <laughs> yeah. So yes. you had a good week? Yeah, I did. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, reason was my parents were in town. So UK to the US, um, spent a good week with them. It was really fun, obviously. Um, gave me a chance to catch a couple of the games um, in a pub and stuff like that and just sort of uh, enjoy their, their time here as well. So that was really good. As far as results are concerned, uh, it wasn't, it was you know, middle of the road. Um, we saw some, uh, well, we saw an abject performance, but uh, speaking of abject, we'll, we'll get to that today. But um, yeah, it, it was very good. Thank you for asking. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Have your parents ever been to Chicago before? They have, yeah. So they, oh, they've nice. been here, they've been here two years ago. Um, so we'd done like the Uber touristy stuff then. Um, yeah. So like this time around, it was the neighborhoods, those sort of nuanced things that you would do um, yeah. when you're showing someone around Chicago. So uh, yeah, uh, as far as I'm aware, they had a great time. So <laughs> yeah, but they won't tell you otherwise. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks, 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 son. It was shit. See ya. <laughs> um, I think I'm gonna make a PSA here before we even get into it. Um, Graham Potter went on record saying this was his worst game in his two and a half years uh, as an Albion manager. What we saw yesterday was, to me, up there with the 5-0 against Bournemouth in terms of the worst Premier League performances I think I've ever seen uh, from the Albion. We're going to be critical and we're going to say not very nice things because it was very poor. I think I speak for both of us and Adam, if and when he pops on, uh, that we do not want Potter sacked and we don't think Tony Bloom is a fraud. And we are still very happy with the way the Albion are performing as a whole. But today's podcast is mostly going to be criticising that piece of shit performance. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you brought it up as well because it was that's that's the thing and having that conversation of, you know, we're, we're going to talk about a snapshot in time about one specific game. Um, it's by no means uh, detracting from what we've done the rest of this season. But as we've said, it, it's going to be a lot of a lot of bad and we'll, we'll, try, we'll try and sugarcoat it as much as we can. But, you know, like, like you said, that this, this is one game out of 38 and I think we need to take a little bit of perspective out of that. And But it doesn't mean that we can't... Uh, we can't ignore what what just happened. Yeah, uh, Alex in the in the chat is starting nice and quickly out of the traps here. Can we even call yesterday a performance? Great question. Uh, honestly, one for the philosophers um, because I, I would argue that there's a good reason to say no. <laughs> um, let's start where it all went wrong. Really, um, I've seen a couple of people online say the tactics were all wrong. Uh, I feel like the tactics were rather enforced. Um, we started off the day with a back four of Kukurea, Webster, Duncan, Veltman uh, against Manchester United. Um, all change uh, this time. Lamptey and Kukurea stayed, but we had to shift over to Shane Duffy uh, and, and Veltman 
No Webster out with a, a groin niggle uh, should be back for Villa. Um, Pot has already said that he expects him fit and ready to go. Uh, and don't serve in that one game ban, obviously, for the for the mess uh, at Manchester United. Pascal Gross also out of the side. Uh, Alexis McAllister in, Adam Lalana in as well. Uh, and then Welbeck in and Trossard on the bench. Um, like I said, there's, there's already been chat about the fact that people thought that it was a bit of a tactical disaster class. I'm not even going to go that far for myself because I feel like we were destined for a very bad day at the office from the minute that we had no choice but to field Beltman and Duffy at centre-half. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I'm, I'm with you completely on that. Uh, it's just when I saw the team sheet come out an hour before, uh, we knew there'd be enforced changes. Um, I was hoping Webster would start, I think. I was hoping he was at least going to play a part. Um, for those that were, I guess, tuning in from a US broadcasting perspective, um, there's the first couple of 10 minutes or so, you know, they were talking about Dan Byrne and, and we'll get to that and all of that sort of stuff. But I mean, you were talking around, you know, having those options at centre back and having Duffy and Veltman, we've, we're so well equipped at the back that having these two uh defenders out and Duncan Webster wasn't going to affect us too much and um, I think all of us saw just how much it did affect us and I think that that back four there with two centre-backs that wouldn't be playing if the other two are fit um, in that position at the very least Feltman would probably be moved out wide but it's it was telling especially um, and we'll get on to what happened in the first half and and I guess the, the capitulation um, in that first half as well but yeah I was worried as soon as I saw that team sheet that you're, you're asking of a back four with Lamptey and Kukurea, um who are very very well drilled in, in being up and down the park we're asking to do that's asking them to do something very different, not only with um, a, I guess, yeah, a less than full strength back, back two, should we say. So that um, combined with Trossard not starting um, and uh, I guess four, what you would call four centre midfielders on the pitch um, in Lalana, Moda, McAllister and Basuma. Uh, it, it seemed very dominant in the middle of the pack with a very less than desired uh, centre pairing. So uh, I was worried from the outset and unfortunately uh, we, we saw what happened. Yeah, yeah. From the outset, uh, it just went appallingly, didn't it? It was uh, Enoch on the door in the chat says they didn't realise we were getting two GB boxing fights this weekend. <laughs> um, the the Khan-Brook fight was was wonderful. Uh, I, I would love to know what anybody was drinking if they thought Amir Khan was going to win that fight. Um, but it was predictably just two old men swinging uh, it felt like at this point given that their feud started when i was 14 years old um <laughs> uh, yeah like you said it was it was not really great from the beginning we were very centrally dominated um i, I feel like when you're going to play those sort of four level of midfielders those all four midfielders that like to be central i think you've got to have trossard to complement them who loves to roam around that wide we didn't. We had Welbeck yesterday, uh, and it felt like he was very much focused down the middle. Um, on occasion, he drifted out wide, but for the most part, he was he was pretty central as well. Um, you know, I, we were told by the the Burnley podcast that Adam guest guest hosted with with the fella uh, that they have suddenly become just out of the January window. Really, this pressing side that likes to play the ball on the floor. Didn't have much of a choice yesterday with the wind. I think they had to try and learn to play the ball on the floor one way or another. 
Um, and they pressed us massively at the back. Uh, Veltman, for me, is clearly not a two-centre-back pairing. He is a three-man centre-half and very good at it. Uh, but a two-man centre-half, Joel Veltman is not. Um, I look back and he actually never really played outside of a three at Ajax ever. They were always at three generally, so that makes sense. Um, not good, though. Pressured from the offset, Veltman and Duffy, not the greatest players to to have holding the ball a, a lot as they're being pressed. Um, and it showed from the start uh, they they were not well well equipped to deal with Veghorst. Uh, we'll probably talk about him a lot today. However much Albion fans won't like it, I thought he was superb. He was yeah. we were we were awful, but he made us look even worse with how well he played yesterday. Yeah, um, yeah. and it, like you said, that capitulation. You know, we they hit the bar uh, about eight minutes in, I think. Um, and yep. then within 20 minutes, they were two, uh, one nil up, and and it was it was massively deserved, wasn't it? Veghorst on the on the score sheet, um, and and we never really looked back from there. And and as Enoch said, we started fighting immediately, almost afterwards, uh, with with Duffy and and uh, Sanchez, and it was just a mess from the word go. Yeah, and I think was one thing and you know we, we talked about Potter and what he said after the game and, and our sort of our PSA at the top of this of this pod but that is a very impressive high press that Burnley have got going and they knew exactly what they were doing um you know we won't take anything away from Sean Dyche and how good he is as a manager in getting something out of relatively little um you have a very high press you know those two center backs don't do well with that pressure um and then everything starts falling um in accordance to the plan and the one thing that you will want to do against this brighton team um is go one nil up uh especially uh when we're at home and then look to frustrate us in in being very compact once you've got that goal and and you can start to develop more of a a defensive plan so um when it comes to weghorst uh He's done absolute bits in Bundesliga. You, I think those that watch European or German football know how good he is. Um, it's still a surprise to me that he ended up at Burnley. Um, but this is exactly what you get with him. Um, he's clinical. He's big. He's very pressing. Um, it's something that he's been doing for years. And, and like I said, um, it's, it's an upgrade on Chris Wood for, for Burnley. Um, I think they'll be laughing. For a third of the price, even uh, maybe even Incredible. slightly less than that, because I think it's about seven million, wasn't it? Um, and and that's two sign-ins in two windows, isn't it? That you think, what on earth are they doing going to Burnley? Corne and and Veghorst, mm. and they were they were both pretty impressive yesterday yeah. uh, at, at causing us all sorts of problems. Um, another thing to touch on, uh, because again, it was just a mess all the way through. Um, Lamptey and Kukurea. Uh, are also not a particularly effective fullback duo, are they, in a back four? Both want to go forward uh, with so many central players playing. They, they they saw so much space, they took it, and we were then just constantly on the back foot whenever that counter-attack came on. And Burnley, who are normally not a team known to be able to counter-attack, had that, again, that perfect storm, like Alex said in the chat yesterday, of, of the Veghorst-Cornet combination. It was, it was almost perfect, wasn't it? Yeah, and... Uh... And the, I guess part of the reason why I mentioned four central midfielders on the pitch is because we didn't have the wide options. And you're, you're playing a back four where the expectation is that left and right back do go up and down as much as they can with 
I guess less less coverage at the back of the center pairing that you do have. Um, it's all well and good having three center defenders when you have bombing wing backs, but trying to play in a wing back mentality when you're in a back four, especially with the impetus on the wing backs attacking as part of our plan. Um, I just I thought it was wrong. Um, like I said, and, and like we said, sorry, um, those changes were enforced, and you know injuries counting for it like we said it's just a number of things that have gone wrong um but the the way that we were still trying to play with the left back and uh, and sort of that that wing back mentality that i'm alluding to um we didn't really have a lot of options in the wide areas which is why i thought we missed trossard a lot in that first half yeah yeah we really did didn't we um one nil down they still look like the better team for a lot of it. Uh, but it's it's worth noting we had our opportunities, didn't we? Because yeah. just because we, I mean, we were we were beaten pretty comprehensively. Adam Lallana, uh, that header, I can't remember whether we were 2-0 down at the time and it was just before our time, whether it was in between the two. I'm pretty sure it was right before the Brown Hill goal. Uh, it was, yeah, yeah. It was straight up the other end, wasn't it? And yeah, you... I know we've said this a bunch of times, like who's going to score the goals if it isn't Mope or Trossard? Well, it it clearly isn't going to be Adam Lallana. Um, he had a free header yesterday um, in the middle of the box, like eight yards out and couldn't hit the target. And that goal goes in. You don't have to be at your best to start grinding out a result at that point. You've got a goal back and you're, you know, you're looking in a really good spot right before half time. Um, and, like you said, straight up the other end. A uh, bit fortunate, I think, uh, for Brownhill, but, you know, Burnley are never going to turn those down. Yeah, and, and like you said, you you get some of those, don't you? Um, you know, a, a nice deflection here and there. Uh, so, yeah, you, you take those, but it's just, it's really poor. It You know, from from Lalana's standpoint, you, you have to be hitting the target on that. And I think... Again, it's synonymous with what we've seen with Lalana as well, where he just isn't up to par in that goal-scoring ability. Um, and I think we've said on previous podcasts as well, he's had that one purple patch of a season where he did score eight for, for Liverpool, but he's never really been that sort of goal-shipping mid- midfielder that that yeah. maybe people are misaligning their expectations on. Lalana does not score goals. Um, so... It's where do they come from then? If if Welbeck is trying to you know fit through the middle and um, and we look so central and there's nothing going on in the wings, um, where are we where are we getting that from? And towards the end of that first half, you saw the intricate passes and we saw some openings there, um, but ultimately you're you know you're spot on. You you score that header, you go into half time at one one, um, hopefully, uh, and and you sort of try and build the next game plan from there. Um, instead, you, you sort of get sucker punch with that second goal, especially with a fortunate double deflection. And all of a sudden, you're looking at a mountain to climb at home to Burnley at half time, um, where typically we let in a goal a game. Um, it was, I think, easy to stress how weird this game was from a, a like a performance perspective, quote unquote, because, you know, I don't know whether we class it as that. So it, it was a tough one. Um, but I think we saw it from the outset anyway, right? Is is that I was watching that game and we were talking in the chat, you know, as soon as we went one nil down, I think, what well, I think I, I turned around and said to my dad, I was like, this, this could be two or three because I, I can't see where 
we're going to improve here. I think it just we were just off the boil everywhere. Yeah, um, a couple of things in the chat I wanted to talk about. Alex in the chat said it was like a perfect storm because uh, of some of these things we're definitely going to talk about still. No Donk, no Webster, no Trossard. Bissouma still on holiday. A lack of fans thanks to Southern Rail. Uh, poor weather conditions. Players arguing all summed up with our only shot on target being a left-footed strike from Shane Duffy from about 30 yards. Uh, <laughs> enough said. Um, Enoch on the door. Ironically, we could do really do with Veghorst. Gives us more than Welbeck. Yeah, he's, it's, we were asking for a taller striker. Uh, I've been asking for a taller striker for about three years on this podcast. Onoachu obviously is my boy. Veghorst, I, I always figured he, we wouldn't be able to get him. Clearly, we could have if Burnley could. Um, so, you know, they're out there uh, at reasonable prices. So it gives us an option. And, and he would provide much more than Welbeck on any day, I think. Um, and then Merrick UK in the chat, Burnley won absolutely, but I don't think I'll be giving them so much praise. We had a very clearly bad day at the office and they were there to take advantage. It was much more we were rubbish than Burnley were good. As said, we were missing our first choice centre-backs. Merrick, I'm not going to disagree with you too much there. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is, after watching the game and, and looking back at it, there's not a huge amount of players I look at in that team where I think they played really well. But I do look at Veghorst and think he was excellent. We were poor, but like I said, I think he took advantage of every single bit of that and and turned you know lemons into lemonade in terms of just he was he turned it into gold. He I mean he scored, he assisted, and was just an absolute thorn in our side all the way until Ashley Barnes came on for him towards the end. And and that was really just a shithousery time waste, wasn't it? <laughs> it's, it's beautiful, isn't it? I hear from from those that appreciate the um, you know that that sort of vintage. But yeah, this there's also another build there where we've seen season after season where we do come up against these teams and they seem to be having a bad day and we don't take advantage of it. So you know, there's there's that sort of element there where you know there's obviously a stellar performance from a centre forward that arguably. Um, could maybe be the signing of the season if, if he does the bits at Burnley that he's, he's capable of doing, um, along with Corne up top, like a, a silly pairing. Um, but also the credit of taking advantage when when we are having a bad day. Uh, we've seen those where, you know, we, we knock on the door, have, have 20, 25 shots and we draw 0-0. Um, you know, at, at least they were able to make it, but we made it so easy for them and that I guess we'll, we'll talk second half. We'll talk about Duffy and Sanchez right now, but the third goal just encapsulates um, just how much of a bad day it was. Yeah. And, and that was part of the problem, I think, because the second half began, we reverted to a three. Um, we, we brought on within 10 minutes, we had Solly March and Trossard on Moda and Lalana off. I thought they were good substitutions. I was had like a bit more yeah. width, a bit more pace and we provided it. And I thought we, there was that entire time, up until the, the third goal, I was thinking, you know, we could, if we get one, they're going to start shitting yeah. their pants here. And and it looked like we could have got one. Um, I thought we were much the better side come that second half. You know, we we dominated all the important stats far in the one of putting the ball in the back of the net. Uh, it was our most, you know, like I said, threatening part, threatening part altogether. Burnley looked totally rattled. They couldn't thread a pass together. I just looked here. They had 59% pass success percentage at that point. Uh, and 27% of the ball in the first half, second half up until the goal. We were all over yeah. them. Uh, we we weren't able to take advantage of that pressure. 
Um, and right after Evan Ferguson comes on, the poor lad, uh, made his debut in the Premier League, taking off Welbeck. Uh, again, another good another good substitution I probably would have rather have seen earlier because uh, I thought he was totally ineffectual mm-hmm. yesterday. Um, they go straight up the other end. Uh, and, and, and Aaron Lennon, of all people, uh, slots, slots in the third uh, for, for what was the perfect cherry on top of a shit day. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just a sucker punch as well, isn't it? Where, you know, we're starting to get into that passage of the game. I, you know, when they made them on 55 minutes, I, the, I guess the the impatient side of me was like, why why are we waiting when that was such a horrible first half? Um, you know, could see that coming together and, and not changing anything at half time. I thought maybe we could have done that sooner, but, you know, I... Graham Potter is where he is and I am where I am. <laughs> so, um, the, so yeah, the, the 20 minutes in the second half, obviously they're a little bit nervous. They know that we're going to try and make a push for this second half and we're going to you know, really come at them. And I thought it was a really good sort of 20 minutes. Um, but yeah, just some more really bad defending um, to let Aaron Lennon be in that position in the first place. Ridiculous finish, obviously, but you know, that that's, that's, by the by, um, he shouldn't be in that position anyway, where he's free at the 15, 16 yard line uh, and being able to, to put it in the top corner. So um, just to say, and from that point, it's game over, right? You, you're you three nil down at 70 minutes and yeah. all of a sudden it's like, well, we can't really see a way back here. And poor Ferguson as well, just 17 years old, comes on a minute later, you're, you're three nil down and he's got scraps to feed off. Um, there was there was no push after that. I think it was just a bit of de- dejection and sort of petered out towards the end. Um, it was very frustrating, <laughs> really frustrating to watch. And it's one of those instances where they score two critical goals at the perfect time that you could possibly score them. Um, you know, we go up in the first half and they get a sucker punch 2-0 and then we start building a passage of play and then one sort of really bad defensive plan and and suddenly it's 3-0. They, they took their chances. Their XG was, what, 0.62 and, and we lost 3-0. Um, yeah. So pass was 0.60 and they were 0.62, right. like you say, something like that. It was, so, yeah. And that's, I think, the disparity in goals scored versus expected goals. Um, they shouldn't be in those positions, and they shouldn't be scoring from those positions. So um, that that's what it that's what it's telling you. So it, really tough. Um, and yeah, like I said, there's there's no point talking about the last sort of twenty minutes or so, barring one or two, um, because it really just was a done deal from then. Yeah. Um, one thing I do want to get in over towards the player sort of stuff because there's a lot of players to not be polite about. But do you know one player I'm not going to be slating? And what's odd about it is that we lost 3 0 at home to Burnley and we dominated the ball for large parts of the game, right? Like we had, like, I think it ended up with like 66% or something like that. I can't remember now. We had a bunch of the ball. Um, Sanchez had 45 touches of the ball. Uh, he had loads of it. He was, you know, asked to, in the same way that we were dominating possession, we were doing the classic build up from the back slowly, slowly. Uh, and getting beat 3 0 at home at the Amex with the way Sanchez has been of late with his distribution, I would, past me, would have put money on the fact that we would have been blaming Sanchez for a lot today. 
uh, yeah. given the fact that it seems a perfect storm game of like, oh, you lost 3-0 at home at the Amex to burn the keeper. The ball. He must have given away at least two bad passes. I don't think he did anything wrong yesterday, really. I think there was two clearances he had to kind of shank uh, because he had no choice. Um, but I'm, I don't think any of those three were particularly savable. No, I don't think so. Um, if, again, you you put sort of any keeper in those scenarios as well. Um, the Lennon one, you're not getting to. Um, the Brownhill one, double deflection. And the Veghorst one is a fantastic finish. So, you know, what, so ignoring the fact that you couldn't do a lot about those three goals, maybe the second one if you're being very pedantic. Um, like you said, distribution, good. Um I, th- I think we could probably talk about his shouting um, and coming for balls, maybe. Um, but you know, when it, when it comes to pass distribution and you know being able to set up the plays as he does as that sweeper keeper role as well, I, I don't think a lot of a lot of blame can be put on the goalkeeper's shoulders. Like you said, it's very easy for us to do that if you lose three 0 at home. But um, I don't think he was as to blame as as some of the other players. Yeah, um, Alex in the chat seen a couple of comments about Sanchez not being good enough on the subreddit. Uh, those people probably thought Allison or Edison weren't going to be good enough at 24 as well. Yeah. Um, still a very young man. Still only, this isn't even, you know, he hasn't even played a full season of Premier League football. This is his second season of football. Um, and you've got to give him time to develop. He is getting better in lots of ways. Uh, he's still got things that he needs to work on. Um, I, I think anybody kind of, saying he's not good enough or anything like that, for me, I think are a little bit short-sighted uh, in that we have a homegrown goalkeeper that is still only 24. And and there's not a huge amount of times where I get too worried about him, um, especially when it comes to shot-stopping. Uh, yeah. I think he's excellent. And for the most part, he's a big lad, good with the ball at his feet. That's just what he needs to work on. Um, yeah. The best goalkeepers in the world need to work on it. They're all prone to, to erratic distribution. So, yeah, I, I think let's let's tackle the the Duffy Sanchez um, undercard fight, shall we? Um, just yeah. around <laughs> what what happened there, and I think just for complete context, it it looks to me personally, it looks like Sanchez has called that and has come out, and either Duffy hasn't heard it or it wasn't loud enough. Um, and they've sort of come into a bit of an altercation where tension is high because we're currently <laughs> trying trying to break down a very high press and it's very frustrating because Burnley were doing a good job in that respect. Yeah. Um, it's just a very strange one. Um, and obviously the media is pouncing on it and, and everyone is pouncing on it around, you know, what happens there. Um, but these are, these are professional footballers that are um, paid a lot of money to, to win football games. So they are going to get frustrated and they are going to have disagreements. Uh, and sometimes you will see them. Uh, we've seen it. Ask Kieran Dyer and Lee Boyer, um, you know, as well. So, you know, it's part of the parcel for me. I think, you know, it, it's just a case of tensions running high. I don't think there's too much to read in it for me personally anyway. Yeah, I think for those two, I think you're pretty much spot on. I agree with pretty much everything you just said. Um, it was very much a passionate situation, uh, and and neither one would back down on what they thought they were doing was right. So, um, you know, a, a big lad like Sanchez is is with that Spanish blood running through him, and, and Shane Duffy is Shane Duffy. So I don't imagine either are known to back down, particularly yeah. uh, when they think they're in the right. So I think that was just one of those things. Um, and yeah. like you said, frustration has got to be born out of that, right? Like, we we were shit, um, and, and no one likes being crap. 
and, so I imagine and to, that was part and of to it. Be, to be clear, the players know it more than anyone else when when it's going wrong, right? Is that we 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 watch it religiously because we're, we're diehard Brighton fans, but no one knows it more than those players on the pitch when it's not going right. They they they're fully aware of the fact that this is all going to pot. Um, so they're they're bound to be annoyed by that, and you know they, those sort of things happen. And like you said, you know. <laughs> a young Spanish guy with the the maturity that he has and and the confidence that he has um, up against the, an Irish Brickshire Towers. I mean, I, I would I would pay fifty bucks to see it. <laughs> It'd probably be a bit better than the one we saw last night. Honestly, um, <laughs> left a lot to be desired. Um, let's talk about Bissuma. Uh, because I am part of the conspiracy theory group that something is very wrong with Mister Bissuma. Uh, he is not the same player post AFCON that he was before. Um, sure, he played very well in, uh, I think it was Watford he played uh, and played very well. Um, but he he is not the same man attitude-wise. He is not dancing to any tequila songs. He is not interested in laughing and joking with anybody uh, we beat Watford 2-0 in a very comfortable performance. He was straight down the tunnel. No celebrations, no happy faces, gone. Uh, we got beat by Manchester United. Uh, he was very poor that day. Uh, straight down the tunnel again, first off the pitch. Very unhappy indeed. Uh, and then yesterday, arguably again, one of the worst players on the pitch. Um, that third goal... 99 times out of 100, Bissouma takes that ball off of that player's feet. I think it was Rodriguez takes it off of his feet and we sprint yeah. counter-attack. I watched him choose not to put his foot in yesterday uh, and predictably straight off the pitch at the end of the game. One of our worst players. What is going on here? Did did he re- Has he really had his head turned by Aston Villa? Like, is the money that big? Were they offering him that much and we've turned it down? Or are contract negotiations behind the scenes not going like he would like them to? We saw it with Dunk way back when. Uh, you know, Fulham. Yeah, yeah Fulham. Um, I was at that one as well, so that was quite cool. Uh, and then is it that or or is it something gone on at Mali when he was away? You know, it's something going on there. Uh, or, or is it just a case of he's just not on it and it's so unusual to see him so off of it that he is as annoyed as us? What what, what do we think? It's, it's so apparent, isn't it? You're seeing such a drop in, I guess, a performance or... I say performance, a, a drop in just the mentality of a player or the perceived mentality of the player. Um, you you have someone, like you said, um, dancing around, being the, the nicest person to to like to watch and and see react with fans and supporters, uh, to suddenly turning into this borderline hermit that doesn't really want to be, you know, around that and seems to be going through the motions as opposed to enjoying his football and, you know, really putting himself out there. Um, it, it's a difficult one. I, I think it's important to note that, yeah, there's there's a lot surrounding that one human being at the moment with, you know, um, still technically under investigation. Um, you've got a lot of transfer talk. You've just gone through the AFCON as well, where you're going back to your home country. Um, you know, there's there's been a lot that's been surrounding that person for, for a month to a month and a half. Um, 
but you know flip side the other coin they're paying they're being paid very handsomely to do this job and they they have the they have the advantage of, of having that sort of comfort surrounding them so you would expect performances not to drop as dramatically as they have um i am very confused as much as the next person just around what's happened here uh i would be very reluctant to say that he's had his head turned by aston villa um who are currently also on a, a losing sort of run, shall we say, or a less than desired run when it comes to results. Um, yeah, speaking of bad, bad defeats to bottom three sides. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's there's something in common there. So uh, you won't be getting away from that either. So it it's a tough one. I I don't I don't think anyone knows um, where his head's at right now. I would I would be very well. I'd be disappointed if he was. Um, you know, looking for that Aston Villa thing and he's now dragging his feet because he didn't get what he wanted. Um, or it could be contract negotiations. Like you said, I don't know. It's a very good point that I hadn't actually thought about. But, um, you know, he's got a year and four months left on his contract. I'm sure there's a little bit of stress there and, okay, where am I going? Who am I going to be with? So um, I just hope that whatever it is, it gets cleared up because, um he is one of our most important players, irrespective of, of what people think. Um, when he's playing well, we we tend to play well. Um, and you can see what happens when he doesn't play well. Um, you know, part I'm not going to blame him solely because across the board yesterday, we were we were sh- pants. So, it, you know, that's it's one of many issues. But typically when Basuma's playing well, we play well and we get a result. Um, uh, and that's pretty much the crux of it. Yep. Uh, Alex in the chat, he thinks it's because we got used to him at such a high level to drop is significantly more noticeable. I agree. Uh, mm-hmm. If I had to guess with zero knowledge whatsoever, I would also guess that it's contract negotiations. He isn't... We are not going to be having nothing to do with him. We're not going to be talking. We're not not going to be talking about it, right? Like. Mm. Brighton are not going to be in conversations with Basuma and his agent constantly about seeing if they can keep him on because he's so good. He is the difference between ninth and seventh on his day. And that's the difference between Europe and not, which is a huge, huge moneymaker. I think that to me, he's been turned down a mover in January. And I suspect that they are now in full full contract negotiations as to what we're going to do here, what promises are being made for the summer, blah, 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 blah. And I suspect he is just not happy with some of the things that are coming out of it. Or maybe maybe he's not happy with what his family have to say about it, given that it's just been international. Maybe he's not happy with what his agent's trying to push, given that you know he's been told this. Maybe he's not happy with people who are telling him and whispering in his ear that X or Y club want him. I don't, I don't know what that part is, but if I had to totally guess with zero knowledge whatsoever, which is generally what newspaper journalists do anyway, so <laughs> we're, we're on the same level, uh, I, I would I, that would be my hazard of a guess because it yeah. seems the right time for those negotiations to be going on. And, it, and it, it also fits with what Brighton potentially are offering him versus what he maybe feels that he deserves. You know, you're, you're talking around a wage structure that is quite tight when it comes to our club and, and what we can offer. So um, obviously he could move to anywhere and get six figures a week. And and that's that's a given because I think he knows that. But as as to what Brighton can possibly afford or is looking to spend on wages, um, that may be where the disparity is. Again, zero knowledge. I'm I'm not basing this off anything that I've read or, or heard about. Um, 
But if the murmurings and, and the talk in his ear is saying you can earn 125 grand a week by going to this place uh, and you're currently on X amount here and, and they won't offer you that, then, you know, football is a very short career. Um, we, we've heard this um, a lot more in recent years that you, you have a very small period of time to make as much money as possible to set you up for the rest of your life. So um, there, there obviously will be people in his ear to say, take the right deal or, or do something because life is short. So uh, let's just hope that it gets sorted out. Um, I really do hope that we're pushing to keep him because like you said, he is the difference. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there is. There's got to be. They're not just going to be like, yeah, just go. Like, there's no way um, they're going to be doing everything in their power, I'm sure, to see how and which way possible they can keep him. Um, but I guess on the, on, the other, on the other side is, you know, we, we've seen it with Ben White and we've seen it with, um, you know, Dan Byrne. We're not going to stand in the way if we think the valuation is right. So, you know, it, it may be that, okay, if it is far exceeding what our structure allows us to do, um, do we just cash in um so and i guess that's that's the that's the weird i guess balance that we're in here is you know we have this player who is in my mind champions league quality and we're not going to be in the champions league in the short term right now so do we cash in and look to strengthen our position with younger players coming through um or do we say look you are pivotal and and he is you are pivotal for us reaching that next step and and do we amend our, our, our uh, structure or, or the way that we do things in order to, to facilitate that. Yeah, uh, Alex in the chat has a good theory. Uh, let's just blame Naylor for trying to push his athletic article on deadline day <laughs> that looked like we had had a second bid. Uh, yeah, hard to argue with that one. Um, yeah. He's still can... getting a lot of bad bad rep from us for that. So, yeah, especially Adam. Um, if he, if... <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, mention it to Adam on Twitter and see what he thinks. Yeah, yeah, I would. Uh, <laughs> definitely would. At Edwards Adam, I think it is. Um, yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Um, and I think that, and I was just thinking this as you were talking about how important he is uh, and, and Alex in the chat talking about his high level. Uh, Webster and Dunk return next week. I suspect both will go straight into the side given what we just saw, uh, which means that the main problem should be fixed. Right, we've got back our first choice centre halves. Whether we choose to play a three or a two, we're good with that because Veltman is perfectly good in a in a back three, um, and and it gives everybody else license to do what they need to do. If we continue with these games, Villa are not a particularly good side right now. They're in awful form. People are even starting to talk about Gerard out, which is hilarious and music to my ears. Um, but as Alex said in the chat, his level is so high that when the drop is coming in and we saw it against United and we saw it this weekend, it's it's really significant to see against a team like Villa, who are not as good as United and are in terrible form, the, the stark difference of him if he continues to play at that manner with Webster and Dunk back, he's going to stand st- like stick out like a sore thumb. If we were to if we were to play Trossard and Dunk and Webster he's going to have nowhere to hide because generally Trossard brings the best out of Mope, so you can't blame it on him. And we've got no awful centre-half pairing that shouldn't ever really be getting game time outside of the fluke that we got this week. He's going to stick out like a sore thumb if he decides to go at 60%. Yeah, yeah. I, I, 
And that's, I think that's what's so important about this next game is, you know, we, we talk about the bounce back and it's such a, a football cliche that we need to go and, you know, think about the next game. Let's just, you know, get this one out of the way. Let's not think of that again and let's, let's carry on. Um, I think you're, you're spot on. They're at full strength with no arguments. Um, there will be no complaints if we, if we put in a performance like that again, um, across the board, not just Basuma, but, you know, for the, for the other players that did have a subpar game, which is the majority of them. Um, you know, it, no one was at their standard or <laughs> yesterday. I'll be completely honest. Um, we, you know, we, we talked loosely about who's not to blame as opposed to who's to blame. And that, that gives you a good sense as to what we think. So it, it's important that we see a very good performance next week. Um, like you said, if there isn't and one person stands out, we can then start to speculate a little bit more and we can continue with our conspiracies. Um, I yeah. think it'll be, <laughs> it'll be very telling um, if we see a less than standard performance from Basuma. And, and I think to, to Alex's point, I think you're right. We're, we've come to expect such a high level from, from that one player um, that when we don't get it, everything else seems to fall down around him as well. Uh, so it'll be important. I think that one game will tell us uh, if, if we get another performance from him, like we did with Man United and with Burnley, uh, we will know categorically that something is up. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about man of the match, which just like, it feels so stupid to even talk about it. Uh, for me, I'm going on that didn't do as much wrong as the rest. Uh, and I'm going to go with Mope. Um, I felt like he really didn't do a great deal wrong yesterday. Um, I thought he he still managed to piss off every central defender they had. Um, the two chances he had were just, you know, so difficult to take advantage of. Um, but he at least looked like a centre-forward and bothered teams, uh, as opposed to Danny Welbeck, um, who played for 70 minutes and had 14 touches of the ball yesterday. Um, an Aaron Connolly-esque performance, it felt like. Uh Honestly, though, um, to me, he he didn't do a great deal wrong. I suspect I know who you're going to say, so I'm not going to say them as well. Uh, so who who else have you got on deck? Uh, I mean, you you could say, well, for me, I could say the same about, you know, McAllister and Moda as well. They, they didn't really have a lot to feed off of and they were trying. I think that's the key thing for me is that at least we were trying to make things happen. Um, so, yeah, it it's probably... Like I said, it's slim pickings, and regardless of who I choose, there there will be disagreements. Um, but if I'm looking just for pure effort and trying to make things happen, you know, the the Mopes and the McAllisters for me, um, just trying, just just at least try something. Um, there were some good passages there with some some intricate passes, especially at the the 20 minutes after the after the halftime that we saw. Um, but very slim. Um, yeah, and I think there's 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 a special mention to Solly March as well. He he gets a lot of he gets a lot of crap. At least he came on and tried to be direct and try and do something. Um, you know, it, like I said, it, there's not really a standout. There there isn't, and I I think like you said, we're we're choosing the least worst as opposed to to the man of the match. Yeah, no, I'm I, I yeah I'll double stamp. Solly March, uh, he looked our best player for the entire time he was on the pitch. Um, Again, that kind of left wing back role suits him. Um, It's a shame that we have, 
it's a shame that we have someone who is going to be world class within the next 18 <laughs> to 24 months playing there instead. Uh, Such a shame. It really is. <laughs> like, what are you supposed to do? Um, and not only that, but it just so happens that he's four years younger than Solly March, you know. Um, it sucks for, for Solly. Matters. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, we a spinner, a, one positive from me, if I can try and find one, is that, you know, a Ferguson Premier League debut, obviously in the worst ways, worst way possible but you know to have a 17 year old that we deem good enough to bring off the bench in a premier league game can only mean good things for him um get him embedded get him that experience as, as early as we can without forcing it on him um did i think it was probably uh there was probably a better game to introduce him yes um but you know coming on at 2-0 down with the the pressure off you um that that was probably the right choice uh, it's just a shame about the third goal yeah, yeah. It like you say, it was it was not in hindsight, it was an awful game to pick because they immediately went up and scored. Um at two nil down, chasing the game, looking for like, you know, just lots of offensive options. It was it was a good option for us looking at that sixty seconds later, it's like, oh no. Uh, there, there wasn't much to go from. Um must have been really shit. Uh in terms of two other I'll give you two other positives that I found. Um first one is that I feel like we kind of needed this hmm. after the fact yeah. that we are sitting in ninth place. We're playing very well. Everybody's kind of talking about Europe and all this sort of stuff. Um, I think we needed these games to know that we are not at the level of Manchester United because we are never going to have those refereeing decisions go our way. And we have to be <laughs> at our very best to beat a team at their level, no matter how shit they are because they will get those rubs of the green. Uh, and then just to be right, reminded that we are Brighton of Albion. This is a yeah. team that had only ever had one win in the Premier League this season, and their course had not yet scored. It's the most quintessential Brighton defeat of all time, isn't it? Of course you're going to lose 3-0 at home to this team. It just feels like anybody who's been supporting for Brighton since the, the Widdeen days and beyond... It's, it's exactly what you expect from this team. That's what we do. We did it in the championship under Poyet, under Oscar, under Hutton even. We we dominate teams and then we go on the piss and forget about what we're doing and we end up losing the title or the championship on the last day. That's right. <laughs> like, this this result is exactly what you expect, it feels like. I, I wouldn't have it any other way either, to be honest. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just become a running gag now, more than anything else, that just like, oh, if there's a team on a losing streak or hasn't won in 10, 15 games and, and they're coming to to play Brighton, you you know we'll do them a favour and, and and give them that, that reprieve that they need. Um, but you're, you're spot on in all seriousness. Like it, it's a reality check as to where we are. We've been doing really well this season. And I'm like we said at the top of the pod, it's, this is not based on, you know, the fact that we have been doing really well this season and we have been getting those results that maybe we didn't get before, but it's not always going to go our way. Um, these games do happen. You do have, um, yeah, just a shock to the system where we haven't played that well. And and to Potter's comments as well, probably the worst performance under his tenure so far. Uh, and I'd be inclined to agree with him. Uh, so something went very, very wrong, whether it was in enforced changes or whether it was just um, an abject performance all round. But hopefully it means that, okay, let's not get too complacent. We, we are ninth. 
we can't just rock up to the Amex and beat Burnley 2-0 and as comfortable as maybe we did with Watford. Um, we do need to stay on our game at all times in order to be in that top half. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of teams out of form and needing a reprieve, uh, Aston Villa next week. Um, their their last six is not great reading for them. Um, they have lost to lost to Brentford, uh, drew with Manchester United, which looked pretty good. Uh, scraped a one 0 win away at relegation threatened Everton. Uh, drew with Leeds, that three three thriller that was just defense was optional Crazy. that day. Yeah. Uh, and then they just have back to back defeats away at Newcastle one 0 and then at home to Watford one 0 Not great. Um, Similar and just again like a late one at Watford as well. Um, yeah. And like you said as well, just starting to get on get on the back. Um, I, I've said this before in our chat and for any Villa fans that may tune into this before the game, um, just with the Coutinho and the money that's being spent around, just a sense of entitlement from the fans a little bit that actually, you know, they're still a work in progress. You have spent a lot of money and there is a good team in there. Um, but again, it's not going to go all your way. So um, it'll be an interesting one. Like you said, um, we're all about doing other teams a favour, so uh, well, I guess I guess we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, they're a, they are almost. I'm um, looking at the table. They are almost like a like a anti like antithesis of us. Uh, we're sitting here with seven wins, twelve draws, and six defeats. They have over double the amount of defeats we've had this season. They have thirteen losses to their loss column, uh, and only three draws, um, and, and one more win than us. So, mm. you know, we're pretty average that's, in that respect. But it's pretty pretty gung ho. And so the yeah. 50, what, a fifty percent lose rate? Are we on twenty six games now? We are they are on twenty four, so they're on more than that. Wow. Yeah, not great. <laughs> so, so for for a team for a team that loves the draw against a team that hates it. So well Yeah. Should be an interesting one. Uh, we are at home, um, which is not our best place to be. Uh just just to touch on that, actually, because I saw a lot of people on Twitter yesterday saying how bad our home record is uh, mm. compared to our away, rec- our away record. Not as bad as you would think it would be, given that comment. Uh, we've only won one more game away than we have at home. We've won mm. three at home and four away this year. So it may feel like it because you're going to the Amex every week and you're not maybe making as many away games. But we are not as bad at home as some people think we're not great. Yeah. We are just outside the bottom three in home performances uh, and in away performances we're in Europe. So I get it, but it is a matter of one wins difference. Uh, yeah. This is very much a game we can win this weekend coming up. Uh, Villa are, like we said, not in the best of form. Um, Coutinho, Watkins, all these players are very good. Uh, they have a really nice fine mixture up there, but I still think they can be got at defensively. Um, and that's, I think, you know, testament to what we, you know, the, yeah, the optional defending at Leeds and some of some of the aspect there and what they're trying to do. Um, we like playing against teams that are going to attack us. Um, so in that respect, with all their riches up front and just being able to contain them, if Dunk Webster play. And, you know, Sanchez, Kukurea, Lamptey are all there. Um, I pers- I I do think Veltman's probably going to come in for Lamptey and I don't think he's going to start against Villa um, purely for that reason. I think he's going to try and pocket one of the wingers that Veltman likes to do so nicely. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see what happens um, just with 
us counterattacking that Villa defense to try and get at them and, and hopefully get a result. Uh, like I said, that I think there is a disparity. I say there's a perceived disparity between home and away, maybe because when we try and attack and we don't get count, well, we love being counterattacked. So that, that tends to happen more at home than it does away. Yeah. Uh, like Alex said in the chat, home form only 16th, away form only 7th. But those draws are the difference. Uh, you're not seeing particularly many more wins away from home. Uh, we're just able to take draws away from those games more so than than defeats. Um, we've again something we've got to improve on. The Amex has been a problem for a while. Uh, Potter even started resorting to doing away day prep for home games. I don't know if you remember that a couple of mm. years ago, uh, and and it actually seemed to work, which was utterly bizarre. Um, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Two teams in desperate need of an injection. Um, only one of them is going to get it. Uh, because for me, a draw at home against Villa, I would take it to get us back on track. Um, yeah. I feel like Villa would expect to come here and get more than that because uh, they are Aston Villa. And as you say, it feels like that's the mentality they have. Um, yeah. Anything else from you? Just uh, There's a few bits, and I think... We're- yeah social media is king um in the we're talking about home games and the atmosphere around it um sort of we're we're sort of far far away and we're not part of that sort of atmosphere so we can only watch it on tv but we've seen a fair few comments um especially from alex as well around southern trains and being able to get to the stadium first and foremost because of the storm that's uh recently hit the uk um but it's been a, a cause of concern for some people for a while around the atmosphere and the home ground and, and maybe that having an impact on the performances. As you've very nicely put it statistically, um, it doesn't look like it has too much of an impact. Um, but I know that it is a concern. So um, I don't really know what we do about that. Um, there's uh, a few bits there that I think the club needs to address, um, whether that's you know, the ticket exchange and being able to to exchange those tickets without a £20 fee um, or whether there's some other alternatives. Um, you know, there's there's lots of options that are, are floating around there, um, not all of which are completely um, soundproof. Uh, but I just wanted to, you know, obviously we're going to get a few thoughts around the people in the chat and, and the people listening to this just around, okay, if there is an issue with the atmosphere, then then what do we do about that? Because I think we've struggled that for that for a while. Yeah, uh, answers on a postcard, people. Uh, I would love to hear what people think of that home atmosphere. We're not there every week. Um, I'll put that out on the Twitter feed this week, actually, and see if we can get some some people uh, to talk about it and, and hopefully even get somebody on next week uh, yeah, and talk about yeah. it on the, on the show. Um, just to how they feel about it would be good. Because uh, like you say, it's definitely an issue, something we've had for a while. So I'd be intrigued to see what people at, at the ground feel like, especially after next week, because uh, this right. week it was like a library. Um, and, and obviously that needs to be better. So yeah. we'll see. <laughs> Good. Otherwise, yeah, I don't have anything else. Um, let's just let's hope for a, a better performance. That's all I'm asking for. It's just a, a better yeah. performance. Yeah, bad day at the office all round. Uh, as I said, this is a snapshot of a moment that was one that we desperately want to forget. I think he said a snapshot of like a moment in time, which was beautifully worded. Uh, and, and we just move on. Um, Villa away this weekend coming up. Uh, let's just stay safe until then and, and see what we see, what we get presented with at the Amex uh, <laughs> a, a week from now. Excellent. All right, guys. Thanks so much.